And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great. And shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And I want to go to Psalms 8 and 1. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. And I want to preach about the day God held back the angels. And I want you to lift your hands. By the authority of the word of God and the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I already feel the unction from you up here right now. Lord, I feel you've spoken to me and I want to give what you've spoken to, to your people, Lord. And in the name of Jesus, God, I bind any spirits right now that are not of you. I take dominion over a spirit of condemnation. It has to leave right now. And conviction will take its place. Lord, I speak over fear and doubt and faith will now take its place. Lord, I loose you into this place, the gifts of the Spirit to operate, God. Begin to move upon your people. We cry out to you, God. The Bible says you look down from your holy habitation in heaven. God, look down from heaven and see us right now. See every need that we have, every sickness that is in this place, every lost soul that is not right with you, God. Help them make it right in this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Everybody say in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Angels are found and represented almost 300 times in the Bible, according to Brother Google. <laughs> Y'all all know you do it. You got to, everybody Googles you. You got to make sure you say the right thing for sure anymore. Because somebody's going to be going, hey, Siri, 
Oh, that's Siri. Sorry. Sister Siri has got me lost more times. And these angels, they are depicted as protectors, worshipers, warriors, and messengers. And my wife, Sandra. I know she's watching now. You see, God has created all these heavenly beings to do his bid and services. I've heard many stories of my father interacting with angels, of elders I know and friends I have of seeing and interacting with the angels of God. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I've only seen one in my life. Maybe God knows that my heart can't handle seeing a bunch of them. Wouldn't y'all be scared if you're praying and all of a sudden, boom? It scared me just a little bit. But our angels are interacting with us all the time. The Bible talks about how there was a war in heaven and one-third of the angels that sided with Lucifer. You see, there's, from what I can find in the Bible, and I know I, don't, I didn't go to college. The only thing that stood between me and college was high school. I'm not kidding. I played Abraham Lincoln in the third grade because I was the only boy who could grow a beard. <laughs> Wasn't my acting skill. But I do study the Bible. I, I'm addicted to the Word of God. I don't read a lot of books. I just read the, the book. And in my Bible, I have found that what I can find, there are three classes of archangels. And... Gabriel's an archangel that's a messenger. Michael's, he's an archangel. Apparently, he's a great warrior because Daniel, when he prayed, Michael said, I was already on your way, but I had to fight all these battles. And then the other archangel was Lucifer, who was the angel of light and all things musical. And since Lucifer has fell, all the music fell. Come on now, hear me out. They haven't been having choirs and singing in heaven ever since he fell. That's why when these anointed singers begin to sing, you begin to feel goosebumps all over your body because the angels of the Almighty God step in and say, Whoa, listen to what I'm listening to. Now, they like Satan. They're doomed. That's another sermon. I'm on, today, I want to talk about a baby for a minute, a baby that was born in Bethlehem. Of Judea. This was no ordinary baby. This was the one that had been prophesied about for thousands of years. This baby was the Messiah. This was God robed in flesh, manifested in flesh. Seen by who? Angels. God stepped one foot out of heaven and the other foot into this earth, and he became a man. This God who created the angels, the good and the bad, became flesh and made himself lower than the angels so he could die for us. Hebrews 2.5 says, For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, thou crowns him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thine hands. Now, in our text, 
the angel Gabriel, whose name in Hebrew means God is my strength, an archangel created by God with great power and strength, is sent to a young virgin girl named Mary. This was to be the start of the ministry of the Messiah born in Bethlehem. The Bible tells us of how the Holy Ghost overshadows Mary and she becomes with child. At that moment in time, she is engaged to a man named Joseph. The Galileans in their culture, you signed a written contract with your future husband. She was betrothed except for the wedding. And she was going to have to tell her husband of the future that she is now pregnant. And the shame and the humiliation that she is going to endure if her future husband doesn't accept her sends a fear upon her. So Gabriel, he comes and appears to Joseph in a dream, Matthew 1, 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Verse 24 says Joseph did what the angel of the Lord told him to do. Come on, sometimes it takes some faith just to step out and do what you feel like the Lord is telling you to do. Come on, God doesn't expect us to hold back. If you feel something in the spirit, don't quench the spirit. You may be the very person that lays hands on somebody and heals their body. Come on, you may be the one that walks into their world. Come on, and they're going through a trial, and your hand upon their hand helps pull them through that trial. Come on, when God speaks, we've got to learn to step out and do it. So as you can see, the ministry of Jesus was woven and followed by the angels of God, starting with his mother Mary and followed by Joseph. They then take this long and hard journey through the desert and the mountains of Galilee to Bethlehem, nine months pregnant, not in a Tahoe. Think about that one. Not in a Telluride. Nine months pregnant on a donkey. You know Joseph was getting chewed out, right? <laughs> he deserved it. And they go to Bethlehem, and the Bible says there's no room. It doesn't say that the innkeeper was a dirty, rotten scallywag. It doesn't say he hated everybody. It doesn't say he watched stuff he shouldn't have been watching. He just didn't have room for Jesus. Come on, we, we live in a world right now. They need to find room for Jesus. That's what's wrong with our, 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 our government. They don't have room for Jesus. Come on, that's what's wrong with our cities. They have given up, and they don't have room for Jesus anymore. 
Come on, you got to find a place for him. Come on, whatever you have to do to make room for Jesus, you need to make room for him. And all there is is a stable. Hallmark has that stable looking so beautiful. It's really a, a hole carved in the side of a mountain or a cave carved out of the rocks. And it was there to provide a little shelter for the sheep and animals of the shepherds. There Mary gave birth to the Son of God in a dark, smelly cave. And all they had to wrap him with was rags. That's what swaddling clothes was. And that manger was a carved out trench in the floor where they could pour some water or feed. This is where God came to live with us. He was announced to shepherds in Luke 2. Luke 2 and 8, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace and goodwill towards men. Then the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph. When Jesus is a little boy, tells him to flee to Egypt because Herod is killing all the babies. So when Herod dies, guess who tells him it's all right to go home? Y'all following me? Mary, did you know? She knew. I've only seen one angel, and I know. I mean, they were seeing angels all the time. She knew, y'all. Still like the song. Don't let me ruin that song for you. And if anybody wants to buy me something, I'm a small. That's in my faith eyes. Josh Herring sees me as a small. So they returned to Nazareth, just as the prophets have said, with the angels of the Lord protecting him as he grows up. Psalm 91 and 11, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. He grows up, does his first miracle, goes to the wilderness. He is fasting for 40 days. Now I'm going to tell you, Anybody ever been on a 40-day fast? That's what I thought. <laughs> I went 10 days one time, and I was the manager of a catfish restaurant. <laughs> that should have been a 40-day fast. If a brother could fast 10 days managing a catfish buffet, that ought to count as 40. <laughs> and I told my wife, I said, it's time to break the fast. My wife says, well, sit down. Let me go find you some soup. I said, soup? Give me that tray. I'm going to the buffet. <laughs> I've been dreaming about this for 10 nights now. Man, I tore that buffet up. <laughs> I had to charge myself. He goes to the wilderness, and he fasts for 
40 days. And he's tempted and tried by Satan. Finally, he tells the devil to leave him. He's weakened from the fast and he's weakened from the battle. And it's angels that minister to him and care for him. Matthew 4.10, then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. He, he turns the water into wine, and he begins preaching and teaching over and over again, referencing the angels of the Lord. Jesus talks about them being reapers. Don't want to see that one. Protectors, messengers, even coming back in the clouds with him and blowing the trump of God where the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, come on, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up to meet him in the clouds. Now I'm just going to throw something at you. It ain't in my notes. I might get in trouble. But I've always been taught all my life that we're going to be gone in the twinkling of an eye, right? But that ain't what really it says. It says that we shall be changed like him in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. And then they, the angel said when Jesus ascended, so as you see him ascend, that's how I'm coming back. That's how we're going to see him. We're going to, the whole world's going to see us lift up before him. Come on, they're all 500 seeing Jesus raising up. We're going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye, but I believe God's going to manifest himself once again to the whole world. And just before he's crucified, he's in the garden praying. They had just had the last supper. He's washed their feet. And he tells them to sit while he goes and pray. And he takes Peter, James, and John. He asks them to watch and pray. On his face, he begins to travail. Luke twenty-two forty-two, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless... Not my will, but thine be done. The sweat is like great drops of blood falling from him as he's agonizing over this. He wasn't afraid of the torture. He already knew why he came to this earth. He wasn't afraid of the shame and humiliation. Come on, demons trembled when you mentioned his name. He, was a, he didn't want to taste the awful sins and the humanity of Nick Mahaney that was going to be in that cup. This sinless person was going to have to taste your vile and putrid sins. And that's why he was agonizing over the crucifixion. It wasn't the crucifixion he was worried about. It was taking on all the sins of mankind. Then he's in agony once again and the angels are with him. Luke twenty-two forty-three, And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. He gets up from this place of agony, saying, nevertheless, I'll take that cup. And a great multitude is led through the garden by Judas. They have swords and they have staves. And Judas kisses the cheek of Jesus in betrayal. And they arrest him and bind him. Peter pulls his sword. And he cuts off the ear of a servant. And Jesus heals that servant of the high priest. In Matthew 26, 52, this is what Jesus tells Peter. Then said Jesus unto him, put up again thy sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. 
But how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Here he is now, totally alone. He faces, faces his destiny. This is the reason he has come to earth, is to die. Now he stands there, no followers, no disciples, and no angels. He knew it would be impossible for the angels that were worried about him dashing his foot against a stone to see him beaten and killed without intervening. Just one unnamed angel in the Bible killed 185,000 people. We don't know if it was a male angel, female angel. We don't know if the bells tinkled and somebody got their wings. Brother Stewart would know. But we do know one unknown angel killed 185,000. Can you imagine what 12 legions would have done? It would have obliterated this earth. He stands there tried before his peers, and he's found guilty. And it's their custom on the Sanhedrin court when you're tried for heresy or blasphemy that they line up in front of you, 70 men on that court, and spit in your face, and they slap you as hard as they can. Seventy times he stands there, and they spit on him, and they begin to slap him, and he stands there all alone, everyone gone. He's even holding back the angels to prison where he endures things that we don't know. It's not written in the book what he went through in prison, but you can research Roman prisons and prisons of that time, and you know that he was done brutally wrong. I come to tell you, when I was a kid, I had a guy molest me as a little boy. I could choose to keep carrying that, or I can understand that he has already been there. He knows the pain that I went through. He knows my heartache. Come on, I come to tell you something. There's nothing that you've ever walked through that my Jesus hasn't walked through. Come on, there's nothing you've ever been through that my Jesus hasn't already been through. He's led the next morning to the governor, Pontius Pilate. His life is traded for a murderer and an upriser named Barabbas. They now lead him to a courtyard that's behind Pilate's Hall. And there he is stripped naked. This is a modest rabbi. This is a modest teacher. And they strip him naked in front of all this crowd there watching him. Naked in front of the world. Naked in front of his family. Naked in front of his peers. This squad of soldiers, it's generational. The... the how to torture is passed down from their fathers and their fathers learned it from their grandfathers and they would take his left wrist because there was a one lone pillar in this courtyard and they would shackle him up as high as they could and they would take his right wrist stretching him and they'd shackle his right wrist and his feet would barely be touching the ground as they would shackle his ankles to that pillar and their, their job was to start at his shoulders and beat their way down to his feet and they had a whole table of, of instruments there to work from. They, one of them was a long oxhide whip that was seven foot long. It was designed to 
to make the flesh supple to be torn from the body. They would take a cane and beat on him for a while. They would take rods and beat on him for a while. And the last thing they would do is take a flagrum. It's a long wooden handle with strips of leather coming out the end. A lot of people say it's a cat of nine tails, but that was never called that until the piracy days. It was called the flagrum, and it had pieces of sheep bone. It had ball bearings in it. It had wire in it and glass. It, wasn't, it was designed that when it grabbed the flesh, it would tear the flesh from the body. And they laid that whip across his back, and the flesh began to fly through the air. And, and, and he began to scream out in agony. And as that blood began to fall, the angels bowed their celestial head as each whip of, 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 the, of that, the flagrum ripped pieces of his body from him. They were just wanting him to turn them loose upon whoever's doing this to him. This is the one they had watched. And now he's being beaten. They cut him loose. And he falls to the ground. And I can hear the prophet Isaiah's voice thundering down through the eons of time. But he was wounded. Come on, somebody. For our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Just let me tell you something. The cross was for our salvation. He didn't have to be beat for us to be saved. But no, he loved us enough. He knew we needed more than a healer. We need that, that Jehovah you were singing about. We needed that healer. And he took every stripe on his body. And if you walked in this place today, come on, I rebuke your sickness in the name of Jesus. Come on, I rebuke pain out of your body in the name of Jesus. Depression, I command you to leave their mind in the name of Jesus. He starts vomiting because the pain is so severe. His body is going into shock. Rough hands jerking to his feet. A hundred, 125 pound cross members tied to his shoulder. And they push him and lead him to Golgotha. Simon helps him up the hill. You see, it wasn't uncommon. If you was not a Roman citizen at that time and that place, and you did anything against Rome that they considered was against Rome, the first thing they would do was scourge you, then crucify you. So Jesus growing up in Galilee, he'd have been in his early 20s, there was an uprising in Galilee, and the Romans came in and crucified over 3,000 people in his home area. He knew what it was going to be like because he walked by and seen him hanging on the cross for days. They would take an entire loop around his left wrist and they would stretch it. And then somebody would start binding his bicep to the cross. Then they would bind his forearm to the cross, stomping on his wrist. His hand would open up. They'd take a four to seven inch iron spike. And they'd start at the base of the hand and come out the back of the hand. They'd drive it into the cross. All your nerves in in your hands and feet. That's why they had to tie you to the cross. Because you would jerk yourself loose as you flopped on the ground from all the nerves and the pain. They would take another loop and pull your right wrist as tight as they could. They never stopped until they heard a shoulder or an elbow or something snap or dislocate. And then they would bind his right bicep his right forearm to the cross, driving another nail into his hands. They would now pick him up. You see, they didn't crucify him way up high. 
They crucified him at eye level. The Romans wanted to torture you and your family. So they would put you at eye level. A lot of times if you had children, the historians say that they would strangle your children and tie them on ropes and let them hang around your neck as you hung on the cross. So they would pick up that cross member and they would drop him upon an upright stake. And they would bend his right knee and they'd take the point of that nail and they'd drive it in the space between his heel and ankle through the Achilles tendon into the cross. They'd bend his left knee and they'd do the same thing. He hung there for six hours. Six hours with the sweat running into his eyes, with the gnats all over his face, with the maggots coming out of his wounds, with the blood running into his face and his eyes, with legions of angels standing at the ready to be unleashed upon mankind. But I come to tell somebody in this place he held them back that day for you and me. He held him back that day because he seen a man that was 38 years old whose father was an evangelist for almost 40 years. He seen me in a drug rehab facing 40 to life in prison. And he says, stay back because if I don't die today, he doesn't have a chance. Stay back because he's seen you in this place. He's seen you coming on a Sunday morning just to satisfy your family or just to satisfy your mind. And he said, hold up, stop angels, because that woman that's there today, that man that's there today, they need me. Go ahead and stay back. I've got to die. I've got to shed my blood. He did it so you could be set free. He did it so you could, and he paid the price so you could go to heaven. <laughs> Finally, he cries out with a loud voice, it's finished. Veil tears from the top to the bottom. It was finished. That dispensation was over. Now there was a new dispensation. And he's laid in a borrowed tomb. Hell was having a party. We got him. We killed him. But what they were about to find out is they had unleashed him. He smashes through the gates of hell like a tank. Come on. He takes the keys of hell, death, and the grave. Three days later, he rises again. Victorious victorious I come to tell you he's alive he is risen Matthew 28 and 1 in the end of the Sabbath as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher and behold there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. They're back. And came and rolled back the stone from the door and set upon it. His countenance was like lightning. His raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Come on, Atlanta West. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive and I'm forgiven. Heaven's gates are open wide. He's alive. We don't have to fear death or the grave. Come on, because he has risen. Come on, and I come to praise him. The angels come to praise him because he's alive forevermore.
About a year ago, I was preaching a men's conference. Help me, Jesus, right now. I met a man there. He was raised in church. He was an Hispanic man. His dad was a preacher. His mother was Sunday school, over all the Sunday school. He grew up in an apostolic home. At 18, he left home. He went to Phoenix. And while he was there, he became addicted. And he started dealing drugs for the cartel. Well, he got in trouble with the cartel. He told me, this is his own words, he told me this story. He said, I was sitting in the house, we was watching television, me and my girlfriend. He said, somebody knocked on the door. We were expecting somebody, so I just went over and I opened the door. He said, there was a man standing there with a bandana on, and he had a 38, and he just started shooting. Boom! Boom! He said, four of them hit him right here. The fifth one went over him and shot, hit his girlfriend in the face, killed her. He said, I was laying on the ground. I knew if I didn't move, I was dead. And he said, I could feel the blood gurgling out of my body. And I just could not move nothing in my body. He said, this man straddled me and stood over me. Boom! Shot me one more time and hit him right there. He said he left, and somebody heard the shooting. They went over there, and they saw what happened. They called the ambulance. He showed me a picture that someone had taken of him while he was laying in that bed, and it was the moment that he had passed away. But at the foot of his bed was his mother. And in that picture, you can see her knelt down. She has her Bible laying on the foot of that bed. She's like this. She's praying. He says, all of a sudden, I looked, and I was above my body, and I could hear and see my mother praying, God, don't take my son. He's not ready. Don't take him yet. Would you heal him, Lord? He said, all of a sudden, I saw this big white light coming towards me, and I'd heard all the stories about the light, and they were right. There was such a warmth. He said, and a peace that was in that light, and it was coming towards me. He said, but the light stopped. And said, this isn't for you. You wouldn't live for me. And he said, immediately I was sucked down a tunnel. He said, and I was going, he said, I can't tell you how fast I was going. I was just flying down this dark tunnel. And he said, I was thinking, my God, what, what is happening? And he said, these demons would pop up in my face. And they would drag me further. He said, I tried to stop myself and drag myself out. And they would pull me down through this tunnel. He said, I was always a fighter and I would hit them. And I would pummel him as hard as I could, and it was to no avail. He said, off in the distance, I seen people waving. He said, I didn't know what it was at first, but there was things waving in these flames. And he said, when I got close, it was people, and they looked at me and said, don't come here. You don't want to come here. He said, and all of a sudden, I'm back in my mind. His mom had prayed him out of hell. He said, let me tell you. He said, I want you to tell everybody. You go tell people that there's a heaven, but there's a hell. And I come to tell you, Atlanta West, this ain't going to be real popular right now. But you better repent and be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. Come on, some of you have been living like you shouldn't be living. I'm just going to follow the Holy Ghost. 
But I come to tell you, you better watch out. You're going to find yourself burning, clawing, and screaming in the pits of hell. Come on, you're going to be falling for all eternity. The Bible says where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. I come to tell you, I didn't come to condemn you to hell. I come to fight for you today. I come to stand in between you and that gulf that no man can stand. And I come to fight every demon. I come to fight every principality. I don't want to see you go to hell. I come to tell you, you better get sin out of your life. You better repent. You better repent because it's real. You're going to stand up before him and the books are going to be opened. And as the books fall open, he's going to say, I see your husband's name. I see your wife's name. Oh, your grandmother's name's in here. But Lord, I was faithful. I came every Sunday. But you had sin in your heart. You were looking at things you shouldn't have been looking at. You were saying things that you shouldn't have said. You had, you had angst against your brother or your sister. And he's going to say, I don't find your name. Find him! Hand and foot. And cast him into outer darkness. Come on, I'm fighting for somebody's eternity right now. Come on, intercessors. You need to start praying. Somebody, this is going to be your chance today. Don't you walk out and turn your back upon God. Come on, this is your chance to come and repent at this altar. Don't you turn your back upon him. Come on, the heaven's real, but the hell's real too. Come on, and they're just waiting. One more service. They're hoping that you say, no, I'm not going to bow my knee. One more time, they're hoping that you walk out, head to the restaurant, and not be changed. Come on, this altar's open. Come on, somebody. You need to come repent right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, some of you, you've been doing things that you shouldn't do. Come on, what if God comes back today? Where are you going? Come on, begin to pray. Come on, Atlanta Wells, help me. Come on, I'm begging you. I'm not going to hold this altar long. Come on, I'm begging you in the name of Jesus. Come on, God, as some of you young people, you're doing things that you're watching things you shouldn't. Come on, some of you men, you need to clean up some things in your house. Who is it? Come on, who is it? Who is it? Who wants to meet him today? Who wants to meet him today as your Savior? Because it's going to be too late when you meet him as your judge if you're not ready. Come on, all. We, 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 we believe in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. But you got to repent first. Come on, you got to get rid of all that old nasty sin and flesh. Come on, this ain't just all that's, that needs to repent. Come on, I'm pulling for your soul. I'm pulling for your soul. I'm begging you to come to this altar. I can't repent for you. You got to make this decision yourself. Come on, stubbornness. Leave this place in the name of Jesus. Come on, God's pulling for you, sir. You know who you are. Come on, ma'am. I'm asking you in the name of Jesus. Come make it right. Come make it right. Come on, that's it, Atlanta West. Begin to travail. Come on, come make it right. Come on, this is your opportunity. This day was destined for you. Come on, that's it. Come make it right with God. Don't worry about me. 
Don't worry about anybody else. But come make it right with God. Come on, I'm just only, I'm only holding it open just for another minute or two. Come on, saint of God. You need to feel led of God. You need to walk over and grab somebody by the hand. Come pray with me. Come pray with me. Let's go repent. In hell, you'll be falling. The demons will be chanting your name. You're here forever. You can't get out. Every sermon you've ever heard that man of God preach is going to be played back in your mind. Every song that these anointed singers have sung, you're going to hear it again, but you're going to be falling in the flames of hell. Don't you turn your back on him. Come on, don't turn your back on him.